you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Revelation was a revelation that John received while exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And we are talking about the state of the church a little bit. And we'll be looking at this a few weeks. And um, I want to read the scripture and then come back and unpack uh, a little bit. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Many years ago, Pam and I, this was kind of pre-cell um, phone, and where everybody had a cell phone. We lived in Round Rock, and we had gone out to eat kind of on a, on a date. And as we were there in the restaurant, we observed a couple that was seasoned in life, obviously, but I don't think they said a word to each other during the whole meal. They just kind of looked off into space. Now, today, we see that everybody's glued to their phone. But uh, this was pre that, and they just were not speaking. They, uh, obviously, they probably gone to that restaurant every night, but they were just, uh, they were just roommates. They were just existing, it seemed like. And I thought at that point, I never want to get to the point in my relationship with Pam that we go and eat and there's just we're just roommates. And, you know, it wasn't like that couple. They'd probably been married 40 plus years at the time. They, they, it wasn't like they chose to let their love and their demonstration of their love grow cold. It just was a slow fade that happened. You know, they didn't wake up one day and say, oh, we're just roommates. It, it was a slow drift that uh, took place and their, their love, I'm not saying they didn't love each other, but their demonstration of that love had grown cold. You know, when you're in a marriage and the love seems to grow cold, 
what you do is you look to something else to fill that need in your life. And somebody, it could be a person, it could be money, it could be a job, it could be a hobby, it could be anything that you're looking to fill that void that should come from your spouse in the love that you share. And what happens is, is that when that love grows cold, um, you, you look good, but looks can be deceiving. And you, you put your eyes on my needs instead of the needs together. Now, I'm not here to talk about marriage today. This is a word that can hit in, in that area. But I'm here to talk about the church central and the church in America. I wonder if our love hasn't grown cold towards the Lord. We look at this church in Ephesus, and let me give you a little bit of background about Ephesus a little bit, because it will help you out, okay? The, there, John addresses seven churches, and these seven churches are in Asia Minor, uh, Asia Minor modern-day Turkey, and Ephesus was probably the most significant city out of all these cities. It was a little Rome, basically. It was a port city that uh, had the Roman architecture. It had all the secular life of Rome, the pleasures that Rome had. But it also had the paganism of Rome. They had the goddess uh, temple to the goddess Artemis or uh, Diana. Uh, you mentioned both interchangeably. And in that temples, it would be a, a pagan worship, very sensual, very hedonistic. Uh, Ephesus itself was a very affluent area. Many Roman generals would retire there. And so it had all of the uh, pleasures and hedonism that people would want. And this is where God chose to plant a significant church there in that city. But here's something about the church that was developed in Ephesus. You talk about an all-star staff. Uh, I think we have an all-star staff. But as I mentioned this staff to you, you're going to think, well, maybe we're second rate. Aquila and Priscilla, who we read about in the book of Acts, that Paul, they were significant to Paul and Paul was significant to them. They, a married couple, had committed their life to the Lord and many believe they're the ones that started the church in Ephesus. And there was a young man by the name of Apollos we read about in the book of Acts. Apollos was a charismatic teacher, but he was missing some growth and discipleship in his life. And so Priscilla and Aquila discipled him, and he became an incredible teacher. Well, he was a teacher at the church in Ephesus. Now, along comes Paul, and Paul is significant in the church in Ephesus. So we've got Priscilla and Aquila, we got Apollos, we got Paul, but it goes on. John, who wrote the Revelation, many scholars believe that before he was 
uh, exile to the Isle of Patmos, he was significant in the church in Ephesus. So we're talking about an all-star staff that they had at one time, or off and on during the years. But from what Jesus actually is saying to the church there in Ephesus, he's saying, listen, let me use modern-day vernacular. You're very organized. You're reaching people. You have a picture of health. You, uh, you're doing a lot of great things. You have people that are coming. You're, you're even talking against false teaching. You have great doctrine. But this is the one thing that I have against you. You've abandoned your first love. You've abandoned that passion for Jesus Christ that used to burn inside of you. Yeah, you look good, and you're organized, and you're doing great things, yet your your heart is shriveled in your love for Jesus. I think this describes the church in America in many ways. I think that we look good, we're organized, we, uh, we reach people, we talk, and we got good doctrine, we're against false teaching, and we, we look extremely good. But I'm wondering, has the church in America, and even Central, let our love for Christ grow dim? And what John says in, in this letter that Jesus is speaking, he says, you've abandoned your first love. Now, abandoning is a choice. Now, I believe that that choice, though, is a slow fade. It's not like anybody gets up one morning and says, you know, I'm just going to quit reading the scriptures. I'm going to quit going to worship and community with other believers. I'm going to quit praying. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk away from Jesus. Nobody makes that definitive decision. But what happens in life, you know as well as I do, there's this slow faith. We have these projection units that, uh, that we have. And during their history here, we've had to get new projection units. But what happens with these projection units is that they don't just cut off. What happens is they slowly fade. And we get used to it, right? We get used to the slow fade. And then we put a new projector up there and we're thinking, good night. We're, we're, wow, I can't believe that. I, I can't believe we, we missed that uh, so much. And, and that's the way it happens with our love for Jesus Christ. We, you know, there are certain times in our life where our passion is so deep for Jesus that somebody comes along and says, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to be stagnant in your faith. Well, he's like, no, there's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. Just like a couple at the altar getting married and saying their vows, somebody's going to say, you're going to come, come uh, upon some hard times and your love isn't going to be what it is. No there's no way that's the case 
but you know it is the case. And what happens is in this slow fade, you, you start saying, it's not that big a deal that I worship with others in community. And so you slowly drift off, and then it becomes more comfortable to just not be here. And you, and you take the Word of God, and at one time or in January 1st, you're thinking, I'm going to stay in the Word and be in the Word because it's the Word of God. It, it reveals truth to me. But what happens is you slowly uh, lose that fire, and you back off from that prayer. Uh, you pray only in desperate situations instead of communing with God. And so... What happens is, is that there's this slow faith, and I resemble this slow, slow faith, and I know you do too. You, and then all of a sudden, something happens to wake you up, and you're thinking, oh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's it. I need to come back uh, in my walk with the Lord. But what, what Jesus gives here in uh, Revelation chapter 2, he gives three um, answers in how to break this slow fade and come back to your first love. And <clears throat> so I want to challenge you with these today. Number one, he says this, remember how far you've fallen. Remember how far you've fallen. Remember that, that time when you were so in love with Jesus. Your faith was so real. You're, you're, you could just commune with the Father and you love to be in the house of worship. And you, and you can remember back to that youth camp or Disciple Now or preteen camp or vacation Bible school or some revival service. And you, you just remember the conviction that came upon your heart and you embrace the forgiveness that came from Jesus and and the, and the washing and the cleansing that came, and you think, oh, Lord, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And, and, uh, and you've got to remember. I, I deal with a lot of pastors, obviously, and the last few years have been pretty discouraging for many pastors, especially young pastors, as we walk through COVID and, and political upheaval and racial injustice and and many things that we walk through, and, and pastors get bombarded in, in many areas. And so they come to me as the old-timer and say, uh, what, what can I do? I'm discouraged. And one of the words I, I always give them is, go back and remember your calling. Remember that day that Jesus said, I'm going to set you apart for my ministry. Go back to that day. Because there will be days, I have days, that I just want to quit. I want to go do something else. But the Lord reminds me, I have called you. I have chosen you. And so remember. You see, there's power in remembrances. There's power in, uh, in a couple remembering when they first fell in love together. There's a remembrance of their marriage and their honeymoon and those initial years of overcoming together. It's important that we remember the, but it's more important that we remember our walk with Jesus and we go back to those things that 
we remember. We remember. Second of all, he said, repent. You, you remember from how far you've fallen, and you look at where you're at now, and you're thinking, what happened? And then he says, repent. Now, repent is actually a military term where you do a about face. And so he says, repent. You choose. You choose to turn and come back. I, I wish that God in his sovereignty would just change me and push me instead of allowing me to decide on my own. Repent. Repent. Turn. Come back. So if you're battling dryness today in your walk with Jesus, and, and listen, this church looked good. Central, we look good. We look good in this community. We look good in many ways. But I'm wondering, have we let our love for Jesus grow dry? And we're made up of individuals, and we're only as strong as the individuals we are together. And so I ask you, if you're at that place of growing cold, remember your walk with Jesus. And choose, please choose to repent. Lord, I want to come back. I need to come back to you. I choose to come back to you. So remember how far you've fallen. Repent. And then there's a third one. Return. Return. Notice what he says in, uh, let me read verse 4 and 5 again. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and get this, and do the works you did at first. Do the works you did at first. When I start growing dry spiritually, and I know my love for Christ has become lukewarm, which he deals with a Laodicean church, that they were lukewarm. But when I see my love for Jesus wane and that slow fade comes in, especially as a pastor and I lose part of that fire, I, I go back and I remember the things I did at first. Praying through the directory individually for people. Writing cards of encouragement and prayer. Just making sure I stay in the word even when I'm not preparing sermons. Just to come back to those things that are vital and key to keeping your love alive and return and do the things you did at first. How's your love for Jesus today? How's your love life, so to speak? Do you need to remember today how far you've fallen? You need to remember, and, and as the Holy Spirit takes off the blinders and takes off the veil from your eyes, can you see and, and think, oh, I'm not, I'm not where I need to be. And then the challenge comes, are you willing to repent? Are you willing to turn and make the turn? And you got to do it. Make the turn. And do the things you did at first. I think 
a lot of times, and, and I can't make a blanket statement here, but I think our fire grows cold as far as telling others about our faith. And I think it grows cold because we're, we're talking about how good our church is or how good we read something in the Bible instead of talking about how good Jesus is because our love has grown cold. Have you ever, you're a married couple in this room, maybe you're married and you've been married for, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, and, you, and you're around a young newlywed couple, don't they nauseate you? <laughs> I mean, they are, just, they are just in love, and they're demonstrative, and get a room, and, and all those kind of things you want to say. And, and you know, to be honest, the reason it bothers you, I, and, and we that are more seasoned say, well, just wait. You know, just wait. And the reason we are that way is because we know that that intimacy and passion has waned in our own marriage. Be around a believer that's on fire, right? Ah, you're around them and you're thinking, gosh, go get a spiritual room, man. You just... You just, and why? Why does that bother us? And why do we say, oh, the cynic in us says, oh, the world hadn't hit them yet. It's reason we say that and think those thoughts is because our own love has grown cold. Remember, repent, return. There's one other thing that I want to bring out and I want to shift on you just a moment. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, to the angel, and the angel refers to messenger. It's not a cherub or or, uh, some spiritual being. It is to the angel. This is the messenger or pastor of the church, the assembly called out once in Ephesus, right? And then stick with me. The words of him, Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And and to the reader, you were thinking, what? But uh, let me help you out. The words of him who holds the seven stars, Stars. He's talking to seven churches, and when he refers to the stars, he's referring to the pastors of that congregation. Notice what he says. Let me put it in uh, readable form. The words of Jesus who holds the pastor. That is an incredible thought. And struggle for a guy who's a pastor. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to interview myself a moment. And uh, this will help us as we go forward 
as we look at this uh, at the church. Mark, how are you doing? I get asked that all the time. Mark, how are you doing? And uh, for you that are new to Central, welcome. Let me give you some background. This past April, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And if you're not familiar with Parkinson's disease, it's a neurological disease that affects your movement. Um, thus, I walk with a, a limp that gets uh, exacerbated by uh, stress and fatigue. So uh, you may see me in the morning and you're thinking, gosh, is there anything wrong with him? And then you see me later in the day and fatigue and stress has set in and uh, I'm hardly able to move. And that's just... Uh, the way Parkinson's works. It works differently with different people, but that's the physical element. The mental element is it is accompanied with uh, depression and anxiety, and because you're physically limited, you, um, you are a fall risk. And some of you have been with me when I have fallen. Uh, I wish these fall falls were in private, but many of them were public, and, and the humiliation comes in with that, and, and I've learned that God uses humiliation to produce humility in your life, and uh, I, I don't know when that's going to happen, thus uh, I hold on to Pam, and, and uh, many of you may see me with a, a cane at times, especially when I'm around a crowd. Uh, there is currently uh, no known cure for Parkinson's. However, with exercise and rest, you can slow the progression. And uh, I have gotten uh, somewhat worse since my diagnosis. And my incredible neurologist uh, is a little baffled. And thus, she has referred me to the Mayo Clinic. Uh, because of Parkinson's and something else is going on. We're not sure if they will accept me, uh, but we pray that they, they will. So uh, how am I doing? That kind of gives you a little bit of a background. So it's a day-to-day. -day, um, the, there's times that are frustrating and times when I'm doing good. And... Uh, and uh, so that's how I'm doing. Um, how will this affect my timeline around Central? As announced several months ago, my plan has been to step aside as our full-time uh, uh, full from Central beginning in the year 2025. Uh, that, at that time, Pam and I will celebrate 40 years of ministry here in Round Rock. The elders, pastors, and ops team are all in agreement that Brett McDonald will trans, uh, transition into the lead pastor role, and I will step into another role on our staff. I completely trust what God has done in providing us Brett and Helen. You don't know how much of a, a relief that is to me. Uh, my physical condition 
might push up the timeline on that, but we are not completely sure right now. However, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, this is our home uh, for us, and uh, so we're here. Does this mean you will be preaching less? Yes. Uh, I love to proclaim God's word. However, it's starting to take a toll. Uh, and, and, you know, reality is this congregation wasn't built on my preaching. I love it. Uh, I love to proclaim God's word, but uh, it, it's a gift that I have, but it's, uh, um, it's not what this congregation is built upon. Um, because of this transition plan, Brett will preach uh, more and more, and he finishes his doctorate this uh, spring, which is incredible. And uh, we as a congregation are incredibly blessed with godly men who are truly blessed with a gift of exhortation and prophecy. When I get contacted uh, about other churches, Mark, can you suggest someone to fill our pulpit this week? Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, you need seven guys? I can give you seven guys. But uh, we are incredibly blessed in that area. Uh, what will I spend my energy doing? Uh, obviously, I will spend time on my health and keeping up with my daily regime of exercise. Secondly, I will continue to work closely uh, with my role in the community. Uh, God has allowed me to lead out with some of the greatest pastors on the planet right here. So, um, I'm able to make impact there. We had 50 pastors at a lunch. This is just Round Rock at a lunch on Wednesday, and uh, God allows me to work with them. Thirdly, uh, eventually, I will take another role on our staff. Uh, it will not be full-time, but it will fit my gifts as needed. Also, our desire is to spend more time with family and maybe you travel a little more before my health gets bad. And, uh, um, and so that's uh, prioritizing um, uh, just some energy give out. How should we pray? That's always what people want to know. How do you pray? Number one. Pray for God to get the glory in this journey. Nothing is more frustrating for me than to put my eyes on me. And uh, this has made me do that way too much. And, uh, and I just want God to get the glory. You know, he, um, I was part of two funerals yesterday. And, um, uh, you know, all of us will one day not be here. And uh, we have only so many years and days we want God to be glorified. Number two prayer is this. Pray for my incredible wife, Pam, who has had to pick up a lot in caring for me. Uh, you know, when you've been married, we've been married 43 years. 
coming up on 44 in March, and uh, uh, we're so much more than roommates, and uh, we're soulmates, and uh, she uh, takes her calling very seriously, and um, you know, one of the things I, I did with her is because I, I don't like this selfishness that springs up. I, I asked her, I, the Lord kind of convicted me that I wasn't loving her correctly through this, uh, through this journey. And uh, what I asked her to do, I've really felt like this was from the Lord. I asked her to bullet down, to write down, and I, and I needed to, to write it down, the things that I needed to do which would take stress off of her. Uh, things like, uh, whenever I walk, make sure I have my phone on me. Yeah, that sounds simple, but it would, t- it would relieve stress from her. Uh, if I get tired, come home and take a nap, because uh, I've, I've turned into a napper uh, because of this. But please pray for Pam. Uh, thirdly, uh, we have had to grieve the death of some dreams with this. And we ask your prayers as we navigate together. Um, you know, you don't ever, you think about when you approach retirement, uh, what are you going to do? We've, uh, we've had to grieve some death of some dreams. So please pray as we navigate that. Uh, number four, Please pray for our elders and pastors who have had to take an extra load of leadership. They would never complain to me, but I know that uh, with my role in the community, and, and uh, I, I get them into a lot of things uh, just community-wise, and they've had to uh, carry leadership load uh, for me in that area. So please pray for them. And then lastly, and this is key for me, because my life has been invested here, you know? Pray that we continue to be a congregation who loves Jesus passionately. I mean, loves Jesus. I mean, when you slice our preschool They bleed Jesus. When you slice our kids' ministry, they bleed Jesus. When you slice our student ministry, they bleed Jesus. Young adults, our our middle adults, our empty nesters, our senior adults, our worship team, prayer team, hospitality team, ushers, safety team, everybody bleeds Jesus. That's what I pray. So... I know this. I know from what the scripture says, the words of him who holds the seven stars. Above all else, I know that Jesus holds us. And, um, you know, I've been asked before, Mark, do you ever find yourself in a little bit of a pity party thinking, why did God allow you to go through this? You know, I have, yet I've not gone there. Because I think, why not? I mean, 
the world doesn't need to know that Christians are absent from problems. They want to know that they have a Jesus who walks with them through problems. And so I think, why not? Why not me? I mean, that's just the way it is. Do I wish I had this? No, heck no. Uh, but this is where we are. So, remember, repent, return. Know that Jesus holds us.